Amen. It is such a blessing to be able to be here this morning to worship God and fellowship with one another. And we're so thankful that each and every one of you are here with us this morning. Last week, we started a new Sunday morning series in the Gospel of Mark. And last Sunday night, we started a new series going through the book of Ephesians. And in both uh, series, we're looking at Jesus in particular. And so putting those two together is going to give us such a a great look at uh, Jesus as we follow him, as we learn from him. And, as, and study Him, and hopefully the goal is to grow closer to Him and be more like Him. And so I encourage you to study along with us in both of those and to be present with, for both of those. And if you're interested, we have some study guides in the back you can use to study along with us each week. In the last part of Mark chapter 1, we looked at the first part last week, but the very end of chapter 1, Jesus Uh, Mark tells us about a series of four different healings that Jesus uh, does. And in the the first one uh, of those four, at the end of Mark chapter 1, in verses 21 through 28, Jesus has gone into the synagogue and he is teaching as we start seeing him do. He walks in and he's, he's teaching from the Old Testament scripture, and yet he's beginning to teach about who he is. And people are beginning to to get it as they listen to his words. Mark tells us that Jesus had gone into this uh, synagogue on the Sabbath, this one particular Sabbath, and he was teaching the people, and a man with an unclean spirit uh, spoke out, the spirit spoke out, to Jesus. He, he disturbed the audience and he cried out and acknowledged who Jesus was. You see, he, the unclean spirit knew exactly who Jesus was. The people were just now learning, beginning to hear about who Jesus was. And that spirit cries out uh, through the man he was in, We know that you are the Holy One of God. He acknowledges who Jesus is, and Jesus rebukes him and sends the Spirit away. And it leaves everyone there astonished that even the spirits obey this man, that he taught with authority. In fact, they asked, uh, what is this? A new teaching with authority. They recognize something different in the teaching of this man, Jesus. And so fame spread throughout the whole region about this Jesus from Nazareth. And the story we're looking at this morning is in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And you might be very familiar with this story. It's the healing of the uh, paralyzed man. And the children will know this story well. The man that was lowered down from the roof of the house. That's what we're looking at this morning, children. So y'all, y'all follow along, kids, and you make sure that I teach this correctly, and you let me know if I don't. But the story we're looking at begins a series 
of conflicts that Jesus begins to have with the religious leaders. You notice that we end chapter 1 of Mark where his fame is beginning to spread. He's healing, he's teaching. People are believing what he is saying and they're coming out to him. And the religious leaders don't particularly like the fact that they are losing followers to this man named Jesus. And so in chapter 2, we find ourselves, Jesus is at the home. Some translations say at home. Uh, It is believed to be likely Andrew and Peter's house and also believed to be the base of Jesus' ministry in this area. And so he's at the home teaching and preaching to them the word, Mark tells us. And there are some scribes who are there as Jesus teaches And what happens next? The next part is the thing that the kids know, that all of a sudden they start hearing some noise on the roof. They hear some some tearing and breaking and some rumbling and some dirt starts falling down and this house is crowded. It's thought that maybe 50 people could have packed in there like sardines. And it's so full that there's standing room only and people are out at at the door standing there like this, trying to hear and listen and be involved. And there's no more room for anyone. And they hear this noise on top of the roof that's made of of sticks, branches, and mud, and dried with the sun to be hardened. And there's sound up there, and a hole is torn open in the roof. And a man is lowered down on a mat, They carried their beds with them on mats, and he's lowered down on his bed on this mat by four friends who were up there on the roof, and they lower him down in front of Jesus and in front of this whole scene. Can you imagine what that would have been like being there in that moment? And and, and what were people thinking when this happened? And then, of course, Jesus knows what's going on, but what was Jesus doing? doing as this man was being lowered. In all of this commotion, these four faithful friends were going to do anything they could to get their friend to Jesus. Nothing was going to stop them. They couldn't get through the crowd. No one was using their, their, their uh, uh, East Texas manners to let people through to get to Jesus. And they, they, they had to get him to Jesus. They were full of faith. And, it, and we believe, that we, we see that Jesus will say so later, that, that even the paralyzed man had faith. He had to get to Jesus. And nothing was going to stop them. Not even a roof on someone else's house and they lower him down and finally get him to Jesus. We see that the the man is successfully lowered down, the paralyzed man. He can't walk. We don't know why he's paralyzed. Is it something he was born with? Is it something uh, that happened to him, an accident at some point in life? We don't know his story except that he's paralyzed and wants to get to Jesus. They get him down to Jesus, and what happens? 
We, everyone in the crowd and those of us reading, if we don't know anything else in the story, then we see that Jesus has been healing all of these people and they're coming to get healed and also to hear his teaching. And so naturally this paralyzed man is lowered down and everyone in the house and all of us reading later expect, well, Jesus is going to see this amazing act and he's going to heal this man of his paralysis and he'll jump up and walk again. But Jesus doesn't typically do things the way we think he'll do them, does he? He's not always, he doesn't always do it the way we would do it or the way we would expect him to act. And so we see Jesus and what he does. Look at verse number 5. Jesus is focused not on even the actions of the friends as much. He's not focused on the health condition of the paralyzed man. He is focused on the faith that they had to do what they did. And in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. He saw their faith and the extent that they would go through to do this for their friend to get him to Jesus. And they wouldn't let anything stop them. Jesus surprises everyone, doesn't he, when he says, your sins are forgiven because no one expected that. No one talked like that. And when Jesus said that, it shocks the crowd. In fact, the scribes there don't like it one bit, do they? The scribes don't like this. They, in fact, they say, who is this guy? They say, why does this man speak like that in verses 6 and 7? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Mark lets us know Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. Of course, Jesus knew what was going on. And Jesus was in total control of this moment and was going to use this moment to help do what he was here to do. This was early on in his ministry and he was about to do some great things in this moment. That's exactly what people wanted, uh, Jesus wanted people to know about him. That he was in fact of God, that He was God in the flesh, that He was the Son of God, that He was able to forgive sins. Except the only difference is He's not blaspheming because He is the Son of God Himself. The scribe said, who is this? No one can forgive sins but God. And Jesus said, yeah, you got that right because that's who I am. He wanted people to learn that lesson in that moment. Mark is revealing to us who Jesus is like he did in chapter 1 verse 1 that this is the son of God. He's revealing him to us. And this is what Jesus wanted everyone to know in that moment. And since he knew what they were thinking, look at verses 8 and 9. He questioned them. He calls them out in front of everybody. No one else heard what they were thinking. But Jesus just goes public with everything and he says, Immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? 
Or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Which one is easier to do? So he called them out and challenged them, you know, like Jesus did in one of those Jesus questions that just scared everybody. No one knew how to answer, and the Bible tells us several times, and no one dared answer, right? Because they knew he knows what he's doing, and and we don't. And so Jesus challenges them, and he says, which one's easier to do? Well, see, it's verbally easier to say your sins are forgiven, right? Because if you say, if you say, take up your mat and walk, everybody's waiting for what? Some visual proof that you can do that. But to say your sins are forgiven, there's, there's nothing visually to prove right there to forgive somebody of their sins. He's saying, well, which one's easier? He's got a loaded question here. He's he's challenging them and their beliefs and their resistance of what he's teaching and and, and, and who he is. Jesus wants everybody to realize that he is the one who is able to forgive sins as well as heal physically. And so he does so, and look at verse, verses, nine, uh, verses 10 and 12. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. You see, we are seeing who Jesus is in this moment that Mark records for us. That He is from God and that He should be believed. That He is the Son of God and He is the Son of Man, which is His favorite title for Himself. See, to Jesus, the man's eternal forgiveness was far more important than his physical healing. And that's important for us to realize that what Jesus was most concerned about was the man's forgiveness. What Jesus truly cared about most was his eternal condition and not his temporary earthly condition. And did he care about his physical well-being? Absolutely. He healed people everywhere he went. The Bible says he had pity on people. His heart went out to them. He was always uh, compassionate towards those in need. But what was most important to him and what's most important to him in your life is your eternal state of being instead of not not just your physical state of being. He cares about what's going on in this world. Matthew writes about that in Matthew 6. Do not worry about all these things, but he's most concerned are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Is, is your heart right with God? Do you have eternal life in Christ? That's what Jesus was focused on. And as John tells us, Jesus used miracles to prove what he was saying was true. You see, because if you would believe what, what you just saw him do, you would believe the words that he spoke. And so he tells us that, so that you might believe and know that the Son of Man has authority. See, the scribes question, pick up your bed and walk. And the man jumped up 
in front of everybody, shaming the scribes who doubted, testifying to everybody that this Jesus is who He says He is. I put it this way on the slide. Jesus did a miracle everyone could see, so they'd believe the miracle they couldn't see. You see, it's a miracle. We're going to talk about this tonight in Ephesians chapter 2. Our forgiveness is a miracle of God. It is an act of God, the grace of God in Christ. And so that's what Jesus was doing. And to help everybody believe what he said and what he could do spiritually, he healed someone physically. You remember in Luke 19.10 what Jesus said? I've come to seek and to save the who? The lost. And then another place he says it's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. But he's talking about not the, not the earthly doctor down the street. He's talking about the spiritual doctor, or as I believe it was Marshall Keeble that coined the term, the great, the, the great physician. Uh, you remember that sermon that Marshall Keeble preached, the, the doctor, Jesus, the great physician, that he's the one that heals. Uh, he is the spiritual doctor that we need. You see, the greatest, spiritual, the greatest healing that we need is spiritual healing, not physical healing. And Jesus is coming to say, I am the son of man able to heal and to forgive. And the scribes accused him of blasphemy. Blasphemy meant that he was saying he was God or authorized by God, which was punishable by law by stoning to death. And so the scribes said Jesus was sinning by claiming to be able to forgive sins and therefore deserving to be stoned to death, which is recorded in Leviticus. Now, the term son of man is very interesting. Jesus goes all the way back to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. And in Daniel 7, in that chapter, is when Daniel begins to have the different visions that God gave him. And this is one of those visions, and this is what Daniel records. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. What Daniel was seeing in that vision, what God was showing him, was the coming Messiah who was the Savior of the world, the promised one, the anointed one, that the Christ was coming. And he told, he told that vision, gave that vision to Daniel. So Jesus grabs that all the way back there because he knew who would know that, the scribes who doubted and any Jews in the audience there. And he knew they would know that. And I'm calling myself that son of man that was prophesied back in the Old Testament. And in Mark, Jesus always is the only one who refers to himself as the Son of Man. In some places in Scripture, others refer to him in that way. But the reason he calls himself that is because he is identifying with 
those he came to be with and to save. That Jesus is both the divine Son of God. He is co-equal with God. And he is also 100% man. That he identifies with God, but he left the throne. He didn't hold on to it. He said, I can't leave this. It's too important. He stepped off of the throne of heaven to come down to be among us, as John tells us about. And he comes to be... The Son of God is here to be among us, to save us. And He identifies with our sufferings and our struggles and the issues that we deal with, the real life problems that we have. And He says, I suffer and I struggle with you. In fact, Jesus is not only the Savior, the King But he's also, as Isaiah records in Isaiah 53, a man of sorrows, right? Despised and rejected of man. He's the one who suffered on our behalf, as the Hebrew author discussed so often. So referring to the prophecy in Daniel, Jesus says to the kingdoms of this world, that's what that prophecy was about, that the kingdoms of this world, you will all come to an end. And a new king is coming. That God is sending the true king. And that king is coming and we get to the gospels and God is saying, Jesus is saying, I'm the new king. I'm the true king you've been waiting for. Of the new kingdom, the everlasting kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, and all of these earthly kingdoms will fall, every last one of them. And Jesus says, I'm the new king of the new kingdom. That's the good news of the gospel. That right there is the gospel message that the true king is here and the true kingdom, the everlasting kingdom has come in Christ the king. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what he wanted people to know in that moment. Jesus did miracles to prove that what he said was true. That who he said he was, was in fact true. And we have to understand that spiritual healing is more important than physical healing. And it's okay to pray for physical healing. It's okay to pray for one another. We should pray for one another. That's all throughout Scripture. It's all over the Bible. We should pray for one another's well-being. We should go to one another and care for one another and be in constant prayer for our physical issues that we deal with. But we can never forget that what's most important is spiritual, eternal, everlasting healing that can only be found in Christ. That forgiveness of sins, that spiritual renewal. You know, sometimes, and we don't always understand, but sometimes our prayers for physical healing don't get answered the way we would like them answered. But we're all dealing with something, right, physically. Everybody's got something going on. Maybe it's something real severe like a serious terminal disease. Maybe it's arthritis. Maybe it's uh, uh, asthma. Maybe it's uh, eyesight or or hearing. Maybe it's uh, your heart. Maybe it's being able to walk and all of your mobility. Uh, It's all kinds of things that we deal with on all different levels. 
But Jesus is saying the thing that matters most, and I care about what you're going through on this earth, but what matters most is your spiritual condition and where you will spend eternity. And that's why I came. I want you to know I love you. I care about what you're dealing with, but I'm most concerned about where you will spend eternity. So the scribes were asking, who is this guy? And his answer was, I'm the one the Old Testament prophets said was coming. And just like God spoke in the beginning and spoke the world into existence, Jesus spoke in this moment and he forgave this man who believed in him. And he spoke and made the man get up and walk. He healed him physically. So Jesus is the one we can trust. He is that Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah the Son of Man in whom we can put all of our trust. And so we ask, well, how do, what do I do about this? What do I do? How do I access this? How do I respond to this? How do I get there in relationship with Him? What well, we know from Scripture and what Jesus teaches and what the apostles and the New Testament authors taught, that we get there by putting our faith in Him, just like those five men did. Their faith, their total trust was in Him, and nothing was going to keep them from Jesus. Nothing was going to get in their way from getting to and being with Jesus. And they got more than they even knew they were going to get. They got forgiveness of sins. How do I get that forgiveness of sins? You put all of your trust, all of your faith in the Savior. You believe He is who He says He is. You confess that I'm a sinner. I'm I'm lost without you. We're going to talk about that tonight. And you repent. You turn from those sins. And then the Bible teaches, which we've already seen in Mark chapter 1, that you're baptized under the water for the forgiveness of your sins. You're united with Christ in the act of baptism. And you're raised out of the water to walk in a new life. You may still have that hip that's hurting. You may still have the loss of hearing. You may still have those issues in your life. But guess what? You can know that you have salvation. You have an eternal home in heaven. You have forgiveness of sins. And your body might not feel new. But on the inside, it's all brand new. Saved in Christ. Forgiven of your sins. That's the good news in Jesus. And I don't know where you're at with your relationship with Christ this morning. But if you're not in Christ, you need to be. And if you need to study about that, you need to let us know. We encourage you, let us know. Let us study with you. We're not going to push you, uh, 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 you know, be ugly about it. We want to study with you and walk with you through Scripture and answer your questions and help you know Christ. And maybe you, you are a Christian, but you hadn't been living with that kind of roof-breaking faith to get to Jesus. And you've said, well, I can't get in the house. I guess I'm going to go on home. I can't get to Jesus, and you've let things distract you in your life, and you need to, that kind of strong faith back again. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to be here for you. If we can help you this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. I have resolved.